Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Consulting with Authority. This is your host, Scott Cantrell, joined by a new friend of mine, someone that I met uh, a few weeks ago. We had an introductory call. Um, I am considering using her services and her knowledge and her expertise to my own benefit, and I thought I need to share this with the, with my podcast world as well, all of you listeners and viewers of Consulting with Authority. So really excited to have her on. Ashley Berghoff is a process improvement consultant and virtual assistant recruiter who works with growing entrepreneurs to help them buy back their time, which is something that I know we all want to be able to do uh, more efficiently and more effectively. So Ashley, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Really, really glad to have you on today. Thank you, Scott. I'm really excited to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. Good. Yes, me too. Um, so let's get started. Kind of how did you get into this world? Because I, I will tell you, you are, you know, you think in terms of process and efficiency and effectiveness in terms of how to operate um, in an enhanced way to get more done faster. And that I wish it was, but that is not a skill set of mine. It's not something, not a strength of mine. So I have tremendous appreciation for any time I talk with someone like you who has a mind for that and can implement it. Where did that come from? What, what's your background in and how did you get to where you are? Yeah, yeah. So it was definitely not a straight line journey, which with most entrepreneurs is, you know, yeah, I think we're all in that boat together. Yeah, we all um, zigzag. Yeah, <laughs> I've always loved this kind of thing. I've had an architect mind from the very beginning. I just didn't know for quite some time that I could make a business out of that. Um, so I studied English in college. I worked in an anti-trafficking organization. I worked in a staffing firm. Um, and through those experiences, started learning that, wow, I keep doing this. I keep looking at the process of things. I keep organizing things and structuring things and wanting to build things. And I love it and I'm good at it and people need it. Yeah. And so the first really intentional job I got was my last corporate job in terms of focusing on that piece. So I looked to operations and project management and found a role in a consulting firm. And I worked there for a couple of years uh, while I was going back to school for my MBA. And uh, by the time I was done with that, I was really starting to realize that I could build a business for myself, maybe yeah. that you know, entrepreneurs tend to be visionaries. Like you're saying, they don't tend to have that same interest. Right. Um, and that maybe I could support those kinds of businesses. I've um, always had an entrepreneurial family, but never saw myself as an entrepreneur. And so I started the business in 2017 as a total experiment. Mm -hmm. um, haven't looked back. I don't know if I could go back. <laughs> no, I understand. No, that's fantastic. So um, yeah, over that time, uh, how... What did the business start out as? Has it changed much? What's the evolution? And then maybe take us into what it looks like today, who you work with, the types of things that you provide. Yeah, yeah. That process has been really iterative too. So I started out as an independent business manager. So what I called myself, just really getting into businesses and helping people make things happen. So I'd pull things out of people's heads and, and just magically make them appear, basically. Mm -hmm. um, people called me a VA because that was the term that people knew for the operation support space. Right. Um, so I started out in that space, started working up to more of a virtual COO role, and then started specializing more in the process and systems design pieces of it. Mm -hmm. um, as I was transitioning out of being, you know, a souped up VA myself, a lot of times people said, oh, you don't do that. Can you help me find someone who does? Mm -hmm. Right. Like I need someone in the business with me on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. And so 
Um, now we've layered those two pieces together, which has been really fun of helping people find a great operations support person, whether that be a virtual assistant or a virtual COO or whatever, um, project manager, and helping them build the systems, the processes, the structures into their business to effectively delegate to another person yeah. um, and to grow without just adding more and more to their plates, even as they're getting stuff off their plates to someone else. So um, that's where we focus now is bringing those two pieces together. So on the one-on-one side, we work with agencies and do more of those in-depth renovation projects for their processes. Okay. And then for the solopreneurs who are starting to make that transition to wanting to grow, um, we do those kind of that dual piece together in a group context of the bringing, helping them find a VA and build their systems so they can actually experience freedom as an yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, and let's yeah. talk about that a little bit. Um, from your standpoint, uh, whether solopreneur or a small firm, you know, small independent consultancy, or even a larger one for that matter, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's bottlenecks and ops issues across the board. Um, it's just in larger firms, you, you tend to have more money to, to cover up the problem or to yeah. beat down the problem with cash as opposed <laughs> to solving it with efficiency, right? That's a great um, point. Mm-hmm. And so maybe describe a little bit of that. What do you see in when you're working with a solopreneur or uh, a consulting firm? What are the types of common problems that you see where um, a leader or the team is spending you know, unnecessary time, effort, possibly money, uh, mm-hmm. doing things on their own. What are the what are sort of the common symptoms or common challenges or problems that you see? Yeah, a couple things come to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, one being what I would call the the challenge of believing that you know entrepreneurial freedom is on the other side of some hill, right? Um, and so I like to say, you know, freedom is possible as an entrepreneur at any phase of your business, but it is never automatic and it will never happen to you. Right. Um, I think sometimes it's easy to say, okay, once I hit six figures, once I hit seven figures, I will be able to take time off. I'll be able to step away. Um, not necessarily true. Yeah. No. (laughs) Um, or once I hire this person or once I get this marketing thing figured out, or once I, you know, whatever, once X happens, I will be able to take that unplugged vacation. And that's just, it doesn't work that way. Um, And so the the finish line just keeps moving. Um, Another one that I see happen, and this happens so much with consultancies, is trying to find out the right balance between custom work and streamlined work. Um, So even in the larger, you know, million dollar plus businesses, if they have large amounts of custom work that they're doing, their process can be clear their roles can be well identified. They can have a clear passing of the baton from one person to the next. But if they have constant inputs of custom work that they're reinventing the wheel for every new client, they're going to wonder, you know, why is this taking so long? We only have X number of clients, you know, and so then we start looking at that piece too. How can we make work customizable instead of custom? Yeah. So okay. those are two biggies. So yeah, well, they're both huge because I've mm-hmm. experienced both of them more than once. Oh, yeah, um, in my previous company, <laughs> in particular, uh, the, you know, my current firm is is younger than the company that I exited. But in the mm-hmm. previous company, you know, we had evolution and we grew very successfully. But exactly what you said, it, we had that experience. Um, we started out bootstrapping, and we're like, okay, if we could just get to this threshold 
of either number of clients or amount of revenue, then we'll be able to pull back and not work 60 hours a week or 70 hours a week or more, uh, or not have the level of stress that we had. Right. And we got there and it was great. And we celebrated and we were still working the amount, the same amount, sometimes more. And mm-hmm. we were creating, you know, more and more stress for ourselves. And then we added team members and that helped to a point. But I, I, early on, we got better at it. Um, mm-hmm. But early on, that was a struggle, right? We didn't know what to yeah. give them and we gave them the wrong things or we didn't provide the support or training that they needed. Right. They, they didn't have clarity. And so- right. They kept coming to us with questions that we already knew the answer to. We're like, don't you already know this? Well, no, yeah. you told me, right? Right. Yeah. So, it, so I can absolutely relate to that. Uh, and then the other point um, is something that that I'm currently working through now. In fact, right before this interview call, I was on uh, on another call with a colleague and we were talking about this exact issue of customized service um, and truly custom work. And I love your I love your distinction. Uh, say it again. You said customized work versus customizable work. I think, yeah, or custom, yeah, customizable versus custom. So yeah. you know, like a straight custom product where everything is unique to that person versus customizable where there are levers you can pull to make it feel custom, right? But it's and not make custom. it apply better. But it's still mm-hmm. a foundational uh, productized type service or solution, right? Yeah. I, I think that's huge. Um, there are so many, uh, both in context of these interviews uh, and then potential clients and then other colleagues. I, I talk to people all the time. And this is a very, I think it's a very common challenge that we have yeah. as consultants because our nature is we want to provide the absolute best exact custom solution to that, to that mm-hmm. client. And so mm-hmm. for a long time, my conversations were, uh, well, let's figure out your problem, your challenge, your weakness, your opportunity. Yep. Great. Mm-hmm. I have clarity yeah. on that. I'll put together a custom yep. proposal for a yep. project, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to here is the specific service or solution that we can implement for you. And mm-hmm. then here are the three or four levers we can pull to make sure it, it's the right fit for you. So mm-hmm. I think that's really, really, yeah. I mean, that's a really, really important. Um, gap to bridge. Maybe without getting into too much detail, let's take that one step further. Obviously in the, on the side of things, this, this, I wrote down, you said once I, once I, once I get to this level, once I get past this month, I wrote down once itis. Uh, (laughs) Cause I've been there. I've suffered from once itis Mm -hmm. before. Once this happens, Mm -hmm. once that happens. Um, That one, I think, uh, we, we, is a mindset philosophical issue that we have to work through. And it's wonderful mm-hmm. that people are out there like you that help us see the reality that unless something changes, nothing's going to change. Right. Um, yep. Let's spend more time though on this custom versus customizable gap. What are some recommendations or how do you think about solving? How do you think about helping a consultant solve that problem? What What are sort of the, the factors or variables that someone needs to think about in terms of taking a service that they may believe needs to be custom, truly custom and changing it into something that can be customized, customizable. Right. Yeah. I think uh, usually the exercise I walk people through a lot is really just mapping out step-by-step what, how do you do this? Right. Mm -hmm. How are you delivering these projects? Obviously things will change every time because that's the problem we're trying to fix. But in general, like what are the units of value that you're providing? Um, 
once we break those out and really understand, okay, you want to do one-on-one calls at this frequency and you want to send them this, and then they need this piece. And this piece really needs to be custom for X, Y, and Z reasons, really just getting a picture of what's happening. Then we can really start evaluating each of those pieces strategically um, to say, is the customer actually getting more value from you invoicing differently every time? Is that actually helping them? Yeah. Maybe not. Right. Right. Um, Is the customer getting more value from you doing this exact same training conversation with every single client you ever have, right? Right. (laughs) Like, is that helpful for them? Um, So you can really start looking at it and saying, is the value actually there for this to be custom in this way? Mm. And I I bring people back to food a lot because we kind of see the variations of this in the restaurant industry. And it's much, well, you know, much better defined. It's been around forever. Sure. you know, if you walked into a restaurant and they're a Mexican restaurant and you said, I want spaghetti, they'd be like, no. And even if they said, yes, is the spaghetti going to be as good? No, of course. Are you going to have to, if you went into a restaurant that could do anything you wanted, how much are you going to have to pay for that? Right. Um, right. And is or, it or what, what low quality will it be? Yeah. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, if the menu is 25 pages, you know, the quality of the food's going to be a little bit lower. Right. 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 Um, and so we recognize in those spaces, right? Like there's value in having a clear menu of things and then the ability to say, hey, can I get this without tomato? Can I do this instead of that? Right. We do yeah. that. Right. We customize within a framework. Yep. And that makes the restaurant profitable. That makes it the food quality better. And it makes our experience as a customer better. Yeah. Right. Um, so when we think of it that way, it's like, oh, we're the in the same way. Like people want to be able to walk in, know what's going to happen, know what's available to them, know that they can tweak some things to personalize it a little bit, Sure, um, but know that they're not paying five times as much where there's not that kind of value, right? right. I don't need a custom box of cereal. That is not helpful for me. And I don't want to pay for one, right? right. <laughs> like, just right. give me the Cheerios. That's fine. Yeah. I don't need my name on the box. I don't need to have like a whole meeting about the crunchiness level. Like, no, just give me the Cheerios. I'll pay my four bucks and move on. Yeah. Right. And so as a customer too, we can start noticing those things too. Like, oh, actually, like this is the piece, this one piece right here. They really need this piece to be custom, or they really want someone walking through this piece with them. But all this stuff over here, they just want it to be done. Or they want it to go away, or they don't want to have to think about it. How can I streamline that all the way down for both of our sakes? And yeah. so you can start doing that with each piece of the process instead of feeling like, no, I have to do it custom. Yeah. Well, what's, what's interesting. <laughs> that's fantastic. And I love the, I love the metaphor because it makes perfect sense. Um, what's interesting. And I've, I found this out the hard way and I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. As I have started operative word started uh, mm-hmm. as I've started to move to more customizable uh, defined services and solutions that I can simply implement with some customized elements of them, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying blanks, blank page, right? What do you need? Let me create this brand new thing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, in the previous model, this, let me create this brand new thing for you. Not only was I working more, working yep. harder under higher level of stress, mm-hmm. but what I realized it, it took me too long to figure this out. But what I realized was it's exactly what you were saying earlier. Was the client perceiving 
the value that I was providing in the custom option. Right. No, I was calling it custom. I wasn't saying, oh, we'll create this brand new thing for you. I was saying, mm-hmm. we'll create a project for you based on my past experience and other work, da, 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 da. But mm-hmm. I was incorporating things into that custom proposal or project that I am now looking back, hindsight 2020, I'm confident the client saw little to no possibly negative value in, mm-hmm. whether it was um, a phone call with with me that um, you know we weren't sp- speaking specifically on a particular subject or whether it was a team meeting that I was asking for the team's insight or getting, you know, trying to get them to uh, ask me questions and they weren't engaged, right? And all of a sudden, these things that you can put in a custom brand new project uh, that haven't necessarily been tried and, and proven in a bunch of different, you know, uh, environments, all of a sudden, that client does see little to no possibly negative value. And here I am working harder, under more stress, um, expending more energy for mm-hmm. arguably not enough money. And right. the client is seeing that and saying, this didn't really have much value. Uh, in fact, I would prefer if we mm-hmm. hadn't done that. I don't know that it was needed. Right. And, right. and so there's a negative right. on both sides simply because I had this perception that, oh, I need to have a custom uh, mm-hmm. solution for this client. Right. And I really need to over deliver and I need to give a lot. And exactly. Um, yeah. It's so easy as a consultant to feel like, oh, you're paying a lot of money for my services. So I need to give you a lot. Right. Um, yeah. And a coach, one of the times, you know, they really just stopped me in my tracks. They said, you know, if this person could solve this problem without you at all, they would do that. Right. 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 So working with you is a hurdle between them and just solving the problem. And they know they need it. But the smaller that hurdle can be, the oh, happier great. they will be. That's like great. the goal is to get the thing. Right? And the if they could the do thing. it without yeah. you at all, they would do that. So let's do as few hurdles as possible between them and actually getting where they want to go. And that was a huge mind shift for me away from like, oh, you're paying for this, this thing. So let me deliver this thing. It's like, no, what is the fastest way to get you the thing that you wanted done? Right. What's the fastest it's, way to get to the result? And mm-hmm. if it's fast enough and efficient enough, and I don't have to work very hard to do it, I'm happy to pay a lot more for it. Right. Right. Because it's the right. result that I want. It's not no offense to any consultant, you, me, or anyone else, but mm-hmm. it's not that the client wants to spend more time with you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now there may be coaching, you know, like my coach, I'd love to spend more time with my coach, but that's for a different reason because I know he can right. help me get to my results faster. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas in a consulting relationship, it's usually a predefined project and we're trying to achieve a result. And in the client's mind, the faster and easier we can get to that result, the more value it has for me. Scott, mm-hmm. I don't need to have 40 phone calls with you or put <laughs> right. you in touch with my team six times uh, right. in order for us to get to this result. If that is what's required, then you know okay. that's going to be a heavy lift because right. <laughs> I don't want to invest that. If we could do it in, in two phone calls, then let's do that. Now, that better. makes perfect sense. Yeah, we do get in our own way. We do think that the more work we put into a project, the more value it's going to have to the client. And oftentimes mm-hmm. it is the opposite. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely can be. Yeah. Yeah. Because then they're they're trying to figure out what the heck is going on, and then it's another piece and another piece, and everything that you send them is something they have to process, respond to. That's right. That's right. Um, and they have their own work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they hired you to take care of this thing, and now they're having to work with you and for you more than they 
would like to. Right. Yeah. Okay. That that's that's fantastic. And again, it's an insight that I've started to have, but this helps really crystallize it. And I suspect uh, for a lot of our listeners and viewers, it's the same. So thank you. That's that's really great. Um, that's a learning the hard way sort of thing for me. Okay. Well, <laughs> then, then, I, then I'm in good company. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's great that you've been able to take this, um, apply it in your own business, and then help others. Right. Uh, see the truth uh, behind the, it. What's what's great about the truth of this is what you're saying is you just in that one um, that one shift of custom to customizable, we can free up significant amounts of time, effort, bandwidth, stress, right? That otherwise yes. is bogging us down. Yes, that's incredibly liberating, right? To think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how your business started uh, from a, a from a growth and business development standpoint. So going into kind of the marketing or the sales or or when when you decided to start the firm, um, mm-hmm. what how did you get started? For, for we have a lot of folks on here who have younger practices or who are looking to be get into the consulting world or they're starting out. What advice would you give them based on your experience in terms of getting some initial traction? And then maybe carrying that further, what does your growth model look like today? What's your business development strategy today? Yeah. um, And I will answer this with a huge asterisk of this has not been my natural strength at all. So yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Um, It's it's definitely something I've had to learn a lot and get a lot of support from other people um, because I am that natural architect mind the visionary, inspirational, charismatic, motivating mind is is where a lot of entrepreneurs shine and where I don't. So that's where the trade-off comes in. Um, I started off really scrambling. I put up a profile on Upwork, um, emailed people, let them know what I was trying to do. Um, Still didn't know how my messaging was going to work, You know, all of those things. Um, Ultimately found my first three clients on Facebook groups, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. Um, people would post, I need help with this. And I said, Hey, I can do that. That's what I do. Met with them, had my first few clients come through that way. And then my third client, um, was connected into this incredible community of people who all needed what I do. And so I think my next eight or nine clients came as direct referrals from her, which was an incredible gift. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it, you know, at the beginning was showing up to two events, meeting people, having coffees, Lots of personal connections. You know, I wasted a lot of time in the beginning trying leveraged marketing strategies that I wasn't ready for yet. Yeah. Um, and now looking back, I could have probably just waited at least a year before even thinking about things like email marketing or SEO or, you know, definitely not paid traffic. I definitely was not even remotely ready for that. And so, um, yeah, a lot of just relationship stuff. And so now we're focused on really finding ways to deepen that and expand that. So I've brought on um, someone whose entire focus is just on outreach, building relationships with people, inviting them to get to know us personally. Um, And then another member of my team who's been around for a couple of years is now doing that piece instead of me, which is a new shift for us. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because I've been the, the one person doing that for the past almost four years. Um, and so that's been interesting too, to start trying to figure out how to give up that piece because it's not my natural strength. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's always been the piece where we're trying to figure out the best way to show up and the best way to, 
uh, do something that works for us, which is definitely that very relational one-on-one piece um, and is unique enough in a space that is very noisy, i.e. the online business space. Yeah. Right. Um, Where everyone's just trying to figure out how to be heard. Yeah. Online. Yeah. There is quite a bit of noise and clutter in the space. I mean, if you think about a platform like LinkedIn, for instance, I mean, in some ways it's completely understandable that there would be, but you know, you always hope that that quality will come along with quantity and it rarely does. <laughs> um, so, so diving maybe one layer deeper in that, I, I think it makes perfect sense that your approach wouldn't, would be, and would need to be, you'd get a good traction and good value out of a more relational one-on-one introductory type of conversation, as opposed to um, saying, we have this program, here it is. Do you want to buy it? Right. Right. Um, I mean, especially in the business, in the B2B world, doing the types of things that we're doing, it, it has to be a trust based relationship first. And, And then, okay, I do have a challenge or need that you can help with. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what does, you know, you mentioned that you've passed over a lot of your outreach efforts and activities to, uh, your team member. What does that look like on a, on a, a without getting into maybe secret sauce, what does that look like on a day-to-day <laughs> basis in terms of what their outreach are you using LinkedIn? You mentioned email. I assume you're probably building mm-hmm. a, a prospect list as well. What is sort of the dynamic of that, at least in its current state? Yeah. Yeah. So we're kind of, we have a few things at a maintenance level, right? So of course we have a website, we have an email list and a free resource that people can download to join that list. And uh, I do weekly blogging and those sorts of things. So we kind of keep those and maintain those. Um, But on the outreach side, yes. Um, Jordan, who's on my team, we just switched her out of Instagram into LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. Uh, She reaches out to people, uh, engages on their content um, and, and really tries to help you know, support in that way. Um, Cause I think most of us who are out there creating things, you know, <laughs> the best thing someone can do is actually, you know, thoughtfully engage with a- that. Acknowledge um, that. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so she always does that, you know, just gets to know them a little bit and then invites them to a virtual coffee with, with Jen, who's um, on our, on the core team and leads our virtual assistant recruiting program. And so she can just have a virtual coffee with people, get to know them, understand what they're doing, um, because we also really want to know who's great out there doing other things so mm-hmm. that we can amplify their work, refer them to people um, as much as we can. Um, so she can just have that virtual coffee. And then through that process, they're like, oh, hey, I know someone who needs what you do, or, oh, I, I need what you do, or I might need what you do. And great. We can have a separate call there, but we always wanted to make sure not to ever pitch someone who wasn't asking for it. Right. Didn't, express like, Oh, actually, can you tell me more about that? I want to know right. more about that. Right. Um, Cause I think especially the business owners that we're talking to, we're just all a little tired, maybe a little jaded about the amount of pitches we're receiving. Yeah. Um, so we want to be really aware of that too. It's um, to say, you know, we want to find the right resources when we need them, but we also don't want to be pitched 15 times a day. Right. A variety right. of different things. Right. You know? And I think, I think it really is about two things. I think it's obviously about tone, but, but mm-hmm. equally, or maybe even more important, it is about that getting that invitation to have that conversation. 
as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to just shove it down someone's throat in a, in a personal setting. Right. I mean, we're all exposed to advertisement and, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there is a difference in my mind between seeing a sponsored ad on Facebook or LinkedIn. I know what that is. Right. right. And mm-hmm. I can appreciate it for what it is. And that's that, that ad is always going to be in that spot on LinkedIn or Facebook. Right. right. I, I'm going to mm-hmm. see it. And then if mm-hmm. I'm interested in that, I can click, but it's my choice to do that. Right. right. As opposed right. to a LinkedIn message, for instance, um, you know, someone invites you to connect, you accept, and then it immediately comes the, it comes the pitch, you know, do you mm-hmm. want to ultimately asking, do you want to, do you want my service? Do you want to work with us? Right. And it's like, that's, right. that's too much too soon. It's like, I don't, right. I, I mean, I guess, I guess uh, if you happen to hit the exact person, the exact moment they have that need, then maybe they'll click and and go through that mm-hmm. process. But I found it so much more bad. But how many people do you turn off? How many people are resistant to you who could in the future be very legitimate, worthwhile clients, right? right. And so right. I think your approach, it's the same one that I generally take on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually how we engage. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, going to mention that. Yeah, in our first conversation, is it's it's more of a I'm interested in what you're doing, um, mm-hmm. and I'd love to have an introductory call to learn more about what you're doing, share what I'm doing. There may or may not be a way for us to work together, but the bigger our respective networks are of professional quality people, the better that is for everyone. Right. And so, and and I think most, um, I think most folks in our space, in the consulting space have that general mindset. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so anyway, uh, you don't need me to affirm that because it's obviously working for you, but but I will. Um, so <laughs> well, I appreciate that because yeah, yeah, that's how we are connected. Right. And, you know, you're in the marketing space, right? And I'm hearing from people in that space all the time. Yeah. And yeah, yeah most cold emails, if I can tell it's not a customized email, I don't respond anymore. I just don't have time. Yeah. Um, if it's a customized one, I take the time to respond. Um, but yeah, you know, you reached out and said, Hey, let's get to know each other. I'd love to learn what you're doing. I can share what I'm doing. And that's, it's mutual. Yeah. There's mutual benefit to that building a real relationship. And then, yeah, if the timing works out, then awesome. But even if the timing doesn't work out, that relationship is still there. Right. Whereas some of these cold outreaches, I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. not going to think of you or reach out to you again when that need is. Life. Exactly. Exactly. But but now you are on my list. Presumably, I am on your list of good mm-hmm. connections in our network that we can refer each other to or potentially work together at some point. So I think that's mm-hmm. great. Um, let's let's dive in. We're we're still okay on time here, but I want to take some time if you're willing to kind of tap into your expertise around um, a virtual assistant recruitment and and as a as a natural corollary to that, this process improvement piece of helping. Mm-hmm. Uh, independent consultants, specifically solo consultants, but even s- small business, you know, consultancies, actual, you know, agencies, as you refer to them, um, right. tap into this opportunity they have to, like you said, buy back their time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know uh, so often I will get questions about, Scott, do you have a VA? Do you have an executive assistant? I I do. And she's great. And I've worked with her for years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some mm-hmm. point in the future, I'm going to have a need as, as the company continues to grow, I'm going to have a need for others. And I have a group of independent contractors that I work with for service delivery, but just for mm-hmm. my own personal management of the business, I'm always looking 
to see what can I, what can I push off my plate to buy back some of my time? So maybe Mm -hmm. you can speak to a little bit about how you work with consultants in terms of helping them identify a worthwhile VA, but also why it's Mm -hmm. important to have a VA, what the value of that is. I mean, I can affirm it, but I'd love to hear your take on it. And I think one of the things that I got stuck on early on when I was trying to decide, is it, is it worth it or not? I wasn't sure what the VA was going to do. I wasn't sure what I was going to assign to them because I was so used to doing everything. And I was like, am I okay giving this up and can they even do it? And so I'm sure that's where a lot of folks are when they're thinking about bringing on a team member. Uh, I'm happy to pay this part, but what are they going to do? So maybe Mm -hmm. you can kind of speak to that whole general process and, um, and how you work in terms of helping a consultant recruit a quality executive assistant or, or virtual assistant. Yeah. Yeah. So that is by far the most common thing that we hear is, I know I need help, but how the heck do I get that help? I, I don't even know. Right. right. I don't know what I'd give them to do. I don't know how much I'm supposed to pay them. I don't know how many hours that's going to take. Right. Like, there's no real playbook for this. You know, you can find a bunch of different approaches to it, but sure. it's still a very undefined new space. Right. Um where you can't go to salary.com and look up virtual assistant, you know, it just doesn't quite compare. Right. Doesn't quite work. Yeah. And so um, a lot of what we first talk about is some of those kind of mindset shifts and structural shifts to start getting ready for a VA. And so some of those things look like redefining our own time away from free, because a lot of times I'll hear, why would I pay someone else to do it when I can do it myself for free? Your own time is not free at all. Correct. Right. Yeah. And so we help people calculate the opportunity cost and the real cost, Mm. financial cost of their own time um, to recognize, oh, I'm paying myself $50 an hour to do this. Actually, I should not do that. Um, So that's the first part. Um, Another part is recognizing the process of learning to work with someone else and bring someone else in your business as valuable in and of itself. Mm. Um, Because I think a lot of times what will happen is People will hire someone. It doesn't immediately make their life better because they're going through this whole learnings curve. Mm-hmm. VA is going through a learning curve. They're going to get some things wrong. They're going to try something. It's not going to work. Right. And if for sometimes a period of a few months, they're not going to see some immediate net impact on their working time. Over time, they get there. Yeah. Right. Um, but it doesn't usually happen right away, especially when you're learning. And so you have to see that process as valuable in and of itself. Um, in that you're learning to lead, which is an incredibly useful life skill across the board. You're learning how to share your vision with another person, how to delegate effectively, um, how to start expanding your business so that another person can be a part of that with you because it's not all only in your head. Um, And so when you see that, then it's like, oh, okay, this is actually a process that will pay dividends for a long time. I don't have to just look at, well, this week, (laughs) <laughs> right. You did 10 hours of work for me, but I still work 10 hours extra to help you do it. Yeah. So yeah, what's right. the point? Right. right. Um, and you know, also recognizing that a virtual assistant um at the budget that most small businesses have is not going to be a miracle worker for them. So they're still going to learn, need to learn how to articulate really clearly what they need done, how they need done it, need it done, and how um, you know, what success looks like. And so you know, I, when I was in that space, charged a lot because I could just pull things out of people's heads, 
yeah. right? Yeah. They'd come to me and say, oh, I just need more clients, whatever. Can you help me? <laughs> you know, like it'd be some big, vague yeah. problem. And I could ask them questions and say, okay, this is what I think we can do. Yeah. Um, most VAs aren't there. Right. And if they are, they're charging. They're, yeah, you're going to pay for it, rightfully so. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I wanted to, you know, get people in a place where they know, okay, my expectations are right. I know what this is going to mean. And now I can do the work to be able to work effectively with an administrative assistant who is at the level I can afford. Right. So that's the big piece. And then when people are at a spot of being ready and we've started to identify, okay, here are some things that you are starting to notice. You can get off your plate, some pieces that are taking you a while. Like, let's start identifying that. Um, let's help you document that, which usually just looks like recording themselves doing it. Not these big in-depth SOPs. No one has time for those and they get out of date really fast. That's a um, yeah. Once we start doing that, then we actually do recruiting for people. So yeah. we help them with their job description. We post it. We do initial screenings so that they just have to have conversations with a few people that we've already vetted and feel like are a good potential option for them. Yep. Um, and then we can help them if they want to do reference checks, test projects, sure. and help with onboarding and budgeting and all that fun stuff. But um, that part is usually a little more straightforward. It's time time intensive. So that's where we can cut a lot of that time out for them. Um, and we know where to look. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of it for them is learning how to get ready mentally and structurally for having someone come to them and say, okay, I'm here. How can I help? Right. Right. Well, your, your description of sort of that evolution of not knowing what to do with the VA initially and then learning it over time and, and there being value in the process of that in the first place was, I mean, you're describing the exact experience that I had in the previous company when that was, that was the first VA in that environment that I had worked with. And so, mm-hmm. so that was the exact process that we went through. And it was about, um, probably four to six months or so. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we we had it kind of all the, the questions had been answered and we knew what we needed to provide them and and they knew what to expect mm-hmm. from us. And at that point, it was like, okay, I don't have to handhold anymore. I don't have to. Wow. I mean, yeah, it was. And, and at that point, it was like, okay, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. What are, this may be a loaded question because I'm sure it will vary from client to client, but I suspect there are some commonalities here just to get people's minds open to the impact of what a uh, of a good VA can do for them in their business. Mm-hmm. What are some of the most common areas or tasks or activities that provide consistently the biggest time or stress savings for mm. a leader, owner, you know, principal of a of an agency that that you've seen in terms of I'm finally able to get this off my plate or at least partially off my plate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of variability. Um, but in terms of kind of categories, okay, yeah. I think especially for our first virtual assistant, a lot of where people start seeing benefits is in executing on a marketing plan. Okay. Marketing, as you know, is incredibly time consuming. Yes. If you you know, no matter what your strategy is, right? Right. right. Um, there's there's no getting away from that. Um because you're building assets, you're you're or you're reaching out to people, or you're doing these things, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, I have someone on my team whose entire job is just posting to social media for me. 
So I spend 30 minutes on Friday creating content. She creates the graphics. She gets it posted on the schedule. We just roll right at this point. Like she knows what she's doing. I know what I'm doing. And we just do that. And that's been just nice. It's not like, oh, I need to post a LinkedIn today. Right. You know, it's going to happen. You just have your 30 minutes and it's taken care of. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, So that's a huge one. Um, And, you know, doing research can be a huge one, um, especially if, you know, someone has a tendency to go into a black hole, you know, say, okay, I need you to go look at (laughs) (laughs) every entrepreneur has this problem. So it's like, Hey, I need you to go look at this problem and come back with three options. Right. Yeah. Um, That can cut off a ton of time. Um, Doing things like calendar management is a big one for some people. Um, Invoicing. Yeah. Though, hopefully you streamline that enough where it's not too huge of a lift. That can be a helpful one. Um, answering in, you know, common yeah. questions, customer yeah. service sort of stuff um, can be a huge one. And then you can start potentially expanding. Yeah. Right. So Jen, who's on my team manages an entire arm of our business. Now um, I just came back from a week long vacation, you know, things were fine. Things were fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Um, so there are things like that where I know, you know, if I were to get, hit by a bus this afternoon and needed to be in the hospital for a month, things would be rough, but the business would yeah. keep running. Right. She could keep things going. And that security is huge. So over time you can start building to that kind of level too of if I need to drop off the radar for a month because yeah. Yeah. life happened. Yeah. Someone's there. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. I mean the the level of peace of mind that that provides uh, and it doesn't matter at, at that point, whether you're leading a team of a hundred or a team of 10 or a team of one mm-hmm. um, to have that level of peace of mind is, in, is yeah. Incredibly uh, freeing. Yeah. So yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. So I just wonder, uh, thank you for kind of going through that list because I think it's important for everyone to kind of see the categories that a VA can work within. But if you imagine a VA working in your business in one or more of those areas and doing those things, Number one, you might be able to do things that you know you need to do that aren't getting done. Right. right? So there's yeah. that aspect. Mm-hmm. But then there are things that you're doing that you just don't need to be doing. And so right. it's 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 a win on both sides of that of, of that equation. The impact yeah. is is immeasurable in many ways because mm-hmm. it's not just the time, it is the time, but it's the energy and it's the stress. Yep. Uh, and all of that yep. goes goes down. Um mm-hmm. We're coming up on time, but this has been a fantastic interview. I really appreciate it. It's it's always great to speak with you, and I'm excited to have future conversations as well. Um, I like to end each interview with this question. Um, most important or biggest lessons learned, and it can be on the personal side or professional side over your career, um, that might be relevant or applicable for our viewers and listeners. Yeah, Um One of the things that shocked me about entrepreneurship, had no idea, um, was that by far the biggest learning curve and change in my life would be myself as a human being, Mm. not just my skill set as a professional. I expected that piece, right? That I would be learning marketing and operations and how to lead a team and all those things. And that's great. Um, But it has changed me immensely as a person, Mm -hmm. Um, how I show up in the world, how I see myself, how I think. Um, and that was really hard to realize (laughs) when I first realized it. Um, but 
I've, I've learned over the years to see that as one of the hugest blessings of this experience. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons that I have no intention of ever going back. And um, so, yeah, I mean, if anyone's listening and they're like, yeah, I didn't realize this would force me to, you know, go to bat with my deepest fears. Um, you know, <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> and um, it's a, it's a good thing, at least from my perspective. Uh, well, I, I will agree. I mean, um, certainly if you are, I would, I would argue, and, and I'm not, you know, I haven't been an entrepreneur for 150 years, but uh, in my experience as an entrepreneur, I can speak from that. If there's mm-hmm. not some level of timidity and, and excitement, anticipation, uh, anxiousness, but in, in a, in a, in a good sense, not in mm-hmm. a, a negative spiraling sense. I mean, you may have days like that, but hopefully that's not chronic. Um, but yeah, you do have to face things, uh, that when I, when we were bootstrapping that first company, Mm -hmm. uh, there were things that I never expected that I would have to face that I had to face and getting through them changed me. But like you said, all for the better, this Mm -hmm. ability to, you know, uh, especially in today's world, as we're recording this, hopefully knock on wood, the tail end of a global pandemic, the, mm-hmm. the importance of resilience yeah. and perspective yeah. uh, can't be overstated. And I think as an entrepreneur, again, whether you're running a large company, a medium-sized company or a small company, or it's just you, mm-hmm. uh, that, that ability to be resilient and having that, that different perspective is, is huge. Yeah, so I think that's, more. yeah, I think it's really yeah. important. Um, I am confident that uh, people who are listening and watching this will will want to engage in it, learn more about your services related to, you know, potentially helping them understand what type of VA they need or potentially even going through the recruitment process with you and your team, um, as well as the process improvement side of what you do, helping companies like ours become more efficient, more effective. If someone wants to learn more about you, your company, your services that are available, how can they how can they get in touch and find out more? Yeah, yeah. So um we're A Squared Online uh everywhere we show up. So okay. uh A squared online. A, the word squared online.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, yep. So a squared online.com. Um you can find us on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook is where we most hang out. Um so I think the only place that you wouldn't be able to find us really is Twitter. Gotcha. But, okay. Yeah. Excellent. That's great. Uh, and of course, we'll include, uh, for everyone listening and watching, we'll include all that information in the show notes for the episode as well. Um, Ashley, thank you so much for your time and your expertise today. It's been fantastic. Uh, sincerely appreciate you being on. Thank you so much, Scott. Absolutely. Well, for Consulting with Authority, this is Scott Cantrell. As always, wishing you all the best of success. Thank you for listening. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor of our show, Smart Solutions Media. Smart Solutions Media empowers business owners, consultants, and other independent professionals to easily attract better prospects and transform them into long-term clients. If you're a B2B consultant or service professional and would like to start filling your pipeline with better quality prospects, visit us on the web at smartsolutionsmedia.com to learn more about what we can do to help you. Be sure to complete the short two-minute accelerated growth scorecard you can find on the website and you'll receive a complimentary strategy session where we'll give you specific insights and recommendations to help you attract high-value clients. Until next time, make sure you are consulting with authority.